Today's episode of The Beat is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing or ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to thebeat.robinhood.com. That's thebeat.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Beaters and welcome back to another edition of uh, the Beat yeah. with Brendan Quinn and <laughs> Nick Baumgartner. I almost forgot <laughs> where we were. It's we were weird here. having someone that like I know <laughs> as the the guest. Yeah, right? Right. You feel like when you do the podcast, you switch into this like quasi bullshit radio voice. <laughs> That's like, true. Persona when that, that, like you don't talk you're this way in normal. Not like, comfortable with. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So. Right. Uh, we have a uh, guest here that's a dear friend of mine, but we'll get into that in a second. First of all, an order of business. Got your pitch? Uh, yeah. Written down. I don't know, no, I don't have a pitch. It's a demand. <laughs> oh, your demand. Okay. I looked. Yeah. I looked this up on iTunes, and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we are lacking in reviews. Okay. So uh, anyone out there who appreciates this podcast, yep. Hop on iTunes. I don't know how you do it. Do what you got to do. Go leave well, a review. Reviews are through iTunes. You got to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, whatever, how many ever stars you determine, but you know, maybe write a little something what right. you think of the show. But I've been told that that helps us. It absolutely helps find in your new iTunes, listeners. Uh, the algorithm. The more if you get a bunch, that's why people always do the giveaways for ra- uh, ratings. If you do more ratings, uh, the higher it goes. We it's need a giveaway. Yeah, we need a giveaway or something. <laughs> we need like to give away a shirt or. Uh, or a subscription or something like that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So you wrote something down. Do no, you have any plans? That's it. That's what I wrote. Okay. That's what I wrote down. So we'll, we're working <laughs> on a giveaway. How about we just ask for the ratings and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, so go and rate us, review us, all those things. Yeah. And reviews too. That's great. Rates and reviews, yeah. Very sure. helpful. And with that, we yeah. begin our show this week. Off we go. <laughs> we have, I, I think, our best guest. Yeah. That we've had yet. And you've you joined an esteemed list. DJ, let me tell you. This week's <laughs> guest is uh, is Dick Girardi, uh, a great friend of mine and legend <laughs> in the sports writing business. It's uh, especially funny having... Say hi to the people. Hi there, people. <laughs> so, uh, Whoever you are out there. Wherever you're at. we're doing this on the yeah. eighth floor of America. <laughs> Where <Pennsylvania>, else? Looking <laughs> down at the snow. So. Uh, it's really funny having you here. I, I mentioned the story briefly to uh, Nick this morning, but one of my earliest memory—I don't think I've ever told you this story. 
One of my earliest memories of wanting to really get into sports writing was, I think it was seventh grade. At <laughs> you're, you're aging me out here, Saint Math- oh, Take it easy. Yeah, Someone's been shaking you in the seventh grade. St. <laughs> Matthias grade school. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, we got the Inquirer, Philadelphia Inquirer, delivered uh-huh. to uh-huh. the house yep. in the mornings. My dad would then get right. home from work later in the day. He would bring home the Philadelphia Daily News. Oh, from, so you got both? From work. So I'd either read the Daily News at night or the next morning. Sure. Okay. The previous Day day's yeah. paper, right? Yeah. So usually I would bring the Daily News, the previous day's Daily News with me to school the next day. Seventh grade. <laughs> in seventh grade. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I, I wasn't reading up on like... City politics no, I, or, 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 or world, worldly information. You were, on, you were reading it from back to front. I would read it from back to front, yeah. exactly. Yep. But one day specifically, I uh, had the paper underneath my desk, right? <laughs> and I, I'm reading Dick Girardi. <laughs> I don't know if it was a gamer or a notebook, but I'm sure it was brilliant. Uh-huh. And I, I was reading the paper, and I got caught by the teacher. John Janda... You remember all this? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Later, and I, you know me, I don't remember anything. That's but true. this is vivid. Yeah. yeah. Um, John Janda, who's a great, life-changing teacher, he's now at uh, LaSalle College High School in uh, in Philly, and he came over and was like, "You can't be reading." What are you doing? You know, he's giving a lecture on religion <laughs> right. or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. And uh, the end of the day, though, he pulls me aside and goes, "Hey, if you're that into sports writing and journalism." How about you write your papers for class as you think that they should be like in a newspaper form? And from there on... that was So that was the moment. You that got was, caught reading was one of my stories. That's right. One of my 7,000 <laughs> stories over 33 years at the DN. So, wow. You're the best. So man. that was it. You're the best. You're the best. So that was the, that was the beginning of BQ. That was yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And now yeah. here we are. Happy, so we have Dick Girardi to blame for all of this. Yeah, I apologize people out there. It wasn't, I had no idea the monster I was creating at that time. I was not involved in the Very seventh cool, grade at St. whatever the heck it was. St. Matthias. St. Matthias. Like my memory is it's a, it's a problem. But then I got old and we became dear friends, yes, and this did. is great. And you're and I'm uh, thrilled that you're doing so well. How I'm about happy it? to be here with you and Nick, and it's unreal. Uh, it, it's great. I love reading you guys in the Athletic, and yeah. it's just uh, it's. I'm thrilled that all my friends are employed. That's the best <laughs> yeah, part know, right? about it. In a business where it's <laughs> yeah. become harder and harder to just get employed, yeah. and uh, the model is great. Love love the guys that came up with the concept, and I especially like reading it. It's it's terrific. Thank you, my man. Absolutely. Yeah. So, did we want to talk a little bit first before we get into anything else about just your career? Because you brought it up, the athletic, the model that we mm, work in. Yep. You and, and like that story that Brendan tells about reading a newspaper in school, you know, whatever it was. I don't know what you were reading. I don't know what story it was or what coverage was mm-hmm. it St. Joe's thing or something. You remember exactly what it was? I re- literally read the thing about like college coverage and feel like you read about. I want to know right. what's going on. Whatever's going on with all that. Right. And and Dick was yeah the guy. The guy on the but but the thing of it is, is so, so that's what the nineties. Let's say somewhere in there. Yeah, this would have been '96. In that time, Nick, you're covering college basketball Uh in a city that loves college basketball. Absolutely. Yep. And you know that at a lot of those games that you're at, you, you, and maybe two other people are the conduit to everyone else to know what's going. This, you know, so for people that like today, when we go to a game, when Brent and I go to a game, it's us and. A thousand other people, right? <laughs> like if you if we didn't write a word, no one is gonna be depraved. But yep. there is a difference 
um, when you because when I very first I was telling him earlier today when I very first started when I first started doing this I was covering Western Kentucky football and basketball down south and you know I had about 150 readers whatever it was maybe a thousand <laughs> but for those people you were the you were the person Absolutely. they were like we need to hear what's going on at this yeah. that is lost today it's gone today it's not a thing anymore and how much do you feel like we maybe miss that because I feel like that is such a important thing that a lot of people just don't get to experience when they're doing this anymore. that's a great point it's when I started and I was so fortunate to be able to work at the Daily News because it was a writer's paper always was and we were encouraged to tell stories not to just lay out all right this yeah. team won this team right. lost it I told stories I didn't write game stories I was telling stories in game stories uh. And it was kind of—I I, didn't. Nobody really taught it to me. It was just like, don't do it the way everybody else does. Right. Was yeah. basically what it was, and it kind of fit my personality. And we had the late deadlines. Okay. You could get into locker rooms. You mm-hmm. could actually know people. They would <laughs> trust you with things. Mm-hmm. And time was obviously the critical thing. But I wanted to tell people when they picked up my paper the next day, tell them something they didn't know. And that's what yeah, Mike right. Brathett, our great executive sports editor, said. Tell them something they don't know. They know the score. Yeah. Uh, I mean, back then, in some cases, maybe they didn't. Yeah. When I first started, I mean, <laughs> the first basketball story I wrote was in the winter of 1987. And maybe back then, I mean, it wasn't all sure. encompassing, and you couldn't go on, and you'd look at your phone, and you have this, somebody's putting on Twitter what the score is. But I certainly always wanted to give them something that when they read the story, they said, hey, I just learned something mm-hmm. here. I, and I couldn't have learned it. Even if I was at the game, and I wrote for people that were at the game, okay. I yeah. wanted to tell them something they hadn't seen. Huh. Yeah. I wanted to be able That's to get them in the locker room. I wanted yeah. to be able to get them, what's the coach thinking? And it could be one moment in a game. I mean, there was a, we, we was talking about this the other day with Dane O'Neill, your colleague. There's one of the legendary stories in Philadelphia sports. Marvin O'Connor, who played at Brendan's school, who played at St. Joe's, <laughs> scored 18 points in a minute mm-hmm. of a basketball game. <laughs> the right. last minute right. of a game. At LaSalle. Uh, I've never it, heard that one. That's yeah, awesome. it was like, <laughs> it, we were thinking, has that ever been done before? Yeah. But you could be at that, I could have been at that game, and that's all I would have written about right, was right. the 18 points. I might have mentioned who won, probably not. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. used to yell at me, yeah. you forgot the score. Of course I did. I don't yeah. care what the score is. I'm telling them something yeah. beyond the score. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we could we could go like 10 paragraphs deep without putting the final score in. That, just, that was the paper. It was just the perfect place yeah. for me for all those years because I knew from talking to friends in the business, it was not like that other yeah. places. Yeah. So I was really. very, very fortunate yeah. to be able to work there. You have one of the great origin stories that I've ever heard. Uh, can you tell Nick... Uh, how it is that you came to get the job that you got. Yeah. And what you were doing beforehand. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I look, I, I went to the University of Maryland, and I spent most of my early youth, like after college, at, every day at the racetrack. That's, that's what that's what oh. I did. That's how that that's kind of how I learned about life. Yeah. Because no no better cross section of humanity oh than God, that's than so at true. a racetrack. That's so true. Yeah, I mean everybody's there. Yeah, right. The right. richest of the rich and the guy who's just trying to get, look get at the sandwich. floor to see yeah. if he can get a live two dollar ticket so he can go cash it. Yeah. Um, 
So I did that for quite a long time, and I learned how to fend for myself. And I did have a journalism degree, and mm -hmm. at some point I had a family, and I said, oh, it's time to go to work. So I, <laughs> I, I worked for an all-sports paper in Baltimore uh, that lasted about a year. But what was great about it, it was a place where you could make every mistake in the mm -hmm. world, and oh, I yeah. certainly yeah. did. No one noticed because no one was reading. Right. Um, but it gave me enough clips that when a job opened, to cover horse racing at the Philadelphia Daily News. I had friends who worked there, including one of my college, really good college friends. They recommended me to Mike Rath that I interviewed. I got the job and I actually, the first, uh, it was when Garden State Park opened in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It opened up April 1, 1985, which was uh -huh. kind of providential day in Philadelphia basketball history. That was the night Philadelphia beat Georgia. Right, yeah. At <laughs> Rupp Arena, I was actually watching the game uh, it, so in the uh, press box. So I wasn't hired at all to cover college basketball, um, but I'd been there about two years, and I raised my hand one day. I said, look, if you ever need somebody to cover a college game, I know the game. And I did know the game. I just hadn't written about the yeah. game. And so they sent me to McGonagall Hall one night to cover Temple and Rutgers. And the next night, a couple nights later, they sent me to the old Heyman Hall, which oh, Brendan would be familiar wow. with, which held about a thousand people yeah. at LaSalle on like the third floor. Yeah. And it was Speedy Morris's first year at LaSalle, and I came along a freshman named Lionel Simmons, who was one of the oh, last yeah. of the 3,000 point scorers. That's right. And I rode him all the way to the finish line. I became the beat writer for LaSalle. Yeah. That's kind of how it started. It was just uh -huh. like one day I said, hey, I want to do this. And you know, 25 Final Fours later, Crazy. all the mm -hmm. thousands of stories. And I was the beat writer during Jameer Nelson's years at yeah. St. Joe's and, and wrote a million columns. Went all over the place. I mean, you could do stuff like, hey, I want to go cover Duke, North Carolina. Hey, you're gone. You're gone. You know, just, just go do it. Sitting on a pile of money. Yeah, yeah right. just I mean, That was when we can't hide anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, I want to, I want to go down to Maryland because yeah. I want to see my alma mater play. Yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. just, you know, we'll, we'll take care of. It. But yeah, you know, now you want to go right. across the bridge yeah. into Jersey. No, hold on now. Yeah. <laughs> you have easy pass. Yeah, right. you, know, you paying for that? Yeah. Yeah, right. Time changed, but yeah, that's how I, that's how I get into covering college basketball. And for me, it was great because the seasons. I mean, I covered the. Dirt Derby 31 years in a row, the yeah. seasons were perfect because uh, college basketball would end at the Final Four and the Derby be a month away. Yeah. Um, so and then the big, uh, the last of the big horse races was late October, early November, and then college hoops would start. So yeah, it was a total joy for all those years, and with very, almost no exceptions. If there was something I wanted to go to, I went. Mm. And again, I know that that was <laughs> yeah, right. that's not reality in the right. in, in the yeah. world we live in. Unless, of course, you work for the athletic. Hey, <laughs> try. Well, I mean, the athletic's different, of course. But I mean, those days weren't that. I mean, they weren't that long ago. No, they no, really, they that really, long ago. they really were not. It's, it's when that was <laughs> the, the whole mar newspapers really monopolized yeah. the market, and the and. There weren't, as you said, there weren't all these other outlets right. there. There weren't a million people with microphones. Look, I've been doing it long enough that, that the post-game press conference wasn't around, which is one of the – Right. Like, yeah. If you could get rid of three things, what would it be? First, the post-game press conference. And the pregame one. Second, <laughs> second, the ball screen. And third, <laughs> the, <laughs> and third, the default to let's call a charge if a guy falls down. Yeah, right. Right. And, pro and definitely first would be the post-game yeah, press conference. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, it's the locker room is where it all, oh, yeah, that's right. where you actually get to know people. Yeah. Have you ever heard anybody say anything interesting yeah. at a podium? 
The last time something good happened at a podium was when Cheney came Cal- in and said, I'm going to kill, kill you. Kill you, kill <laughs> you, were at that, you were at that game. Yeah. Kern was at the game. Mike Kern. Mike Kern, one of my colleagues at the Daily News, was the Temple beat writer. It was a Sunday afternoon at Amherst. Cheney has his press conference. Mm-hmm. Again, the press conference. Mm. And like all of us would have done, Kern then went to the locker room, the Temple locker room. He didn't stay around for Calipari's press conference, not knowing. Right. Why? <laughs> of course. I never right. knew that. Right. Not true story. I figured if he had left, it would have been to go to a diner. Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> yeah, the, so he, he leaves, and then, of course, it happens. And he doesn't see it, and yeah. he calls me, and he goes, Well, the Temple people are telling me it's not that big a deal. Uh, oh. Yo, yo, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, my leading sports center. Then, then he yeah. has TV was a thing at yeah, the time. Yeah. Then he has the great he has the great line. He says he says yeah I felt like I was at the school book depository and Lee Harvey Oswald walked by <laughs> and I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see him. Right. I didn't stick my leg out the trip or whatever. You also mentioned something interesting about you getting your start and working for an all sports you know paper, yep. a small shop somewhere. Yep. And Brennan and I talk about this all the time with younger people now because we get asked. Younger we're getting, people. We're getting older. That's sad that we say that. You know, we get asked all the time, like, how do, if I'm a young person, how do I get into this? And my answer is always, like, I don't know. Yeah. Because man. we were of the age, I think we're of the age, of, we were probably the last people that were able to probably go to a place like that, a small mm-hmm. I did one in, in northern Indiana. I mean, Brendan did one in Chattanooga. I mean, a small place oh, yeah. where you can go. Sure. Dick remembers when yeah. I was at that yep. bullshit number right. three paper in Philly. And you can oh, screw remember oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> what was the name of the place? It was the reincarnation of the Bolton. Remember that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah no, so I remember. Yeah, yeah, right. Because we were in a lot of games together back then. Yeah. So no, what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> where you just go and you are, just, they, yeah. are they paying you? Right. And you can just screw up. Twenty-five thousand a year, baby. Yeah, you're you're misspelling <laughs> stuff all the time. You're messing up. Nobody cares. That's, nobody's that's, reading that, it. That was but the best you're learning. Absolutely. And it's like, and I think about those times now, and I'm like, I there's no way I would have made it at 20 years old, 22 years old, and yeah. I don't know what the advice would be now. No, I don't know what it, it is. It's the one thing I I tell kids, and I do speak at some high schools and do some different stuff. I said, look. There's more outlets than ever oh, yeah. before. But I said, the like, problem is it's going to be harder to make a living doing this, right. mm-hmm. like I did and you yeah. guys are able right. to do, because there just aren't that many stable situations. Right. And even when you're in one, it could change in a heartbeat because yeah. new ownership could come in and who knows what else is going to happen. But, yeah, there, there are opportunities, but yeah, it's, it's so different yeah. than it was when we started, yeah. for sure. No question. And I feel like uh, even now, Given, you know, both of us, Nick and I are, you know, mid, late 30s, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're even at a place that, you know, the athletic is the athletic. It's great. Sure. I still just have the constant feeling that like a piano is going to fall on, on my head. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just yeah, like, right. well, everything that's everything's going to go wrong at yeah. some point. Right. Because that's just the nature of it. But like back in the day when you guys could just. You know, walk into a newspaper and be like, "I'm going to work here for the next 30 years, yeah, and yeah. it's going to be awesome." Oh yeah. Um, just like that level of confidence just had to be. Yeah, well, you never, you never really thought about it because it just wasn't you just a thing. right. It was just like, well, this is fine. People are buying newspapers. There's no <laughs> yeah. competition. It's pre-internet, sure, obviously. Right. And I, well, I remember the first day when our paper went online. And it was it was awesome because you could read it at home. But I did raise my hand and go, "Hey, I got a question." Yeah, I said, well, "We're in trouble here." <laughs> what, what happens when all the people start reading us online and don't buy the paper? And they say, "Ah, oh, no, no, no problem. We'll make up the advertising." And you know, of course, we know the answer to how that played mm-hmm. out. Yeah, they were exactly right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like the unintended consequences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it, ne it obviously never happened. But again, Philly was was different than a lot of the markets. It's it certainly um, everything's condensed now. Mm -hmm. the, the two there's two papers, yeah. one staff now. That for, I had very little of that. There, I, we were again very fortunate, even in other markets where there were already. Um, Buyouts, layoffs. Yeah. We didn't have much of that until much in recent years. So we were kind of the last market that that really hit. And again, at the time, our, my timing especially was just perfect. I was just very lucky right, that right. I was able to get in the vicinity of the finish line. Because there went from like zero to sixty. Too. Well, yeah. why, why do you think yeah. that is? Why do you think it held on for so long in it's, Philly? It, and yeah. some places like there's pockets. In yeah, the it, it's that. a. I think one for the longest time we had a great owner. Knight Ritter was oh, yeah. was a really good company for a long time, and then in what happened to it's really unfortunate. There was some big stockholder right. that got mad at somebody. All the stuff we had nothing. Yeah, to right. knew yeah. nothing about, <laughs> and we ended up being the pawns for it. So I think that I think that was the case, and I think. Look, Brennan's from there. I, I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Baltimore, mm -hmm. but I've been there long enough now. It's a very parochial town, and they like their institutions. Mm -hmm. and, and the institutions among them were the newspapers, mm -hmm. and I think there was a lot of support right. for it. But look, like everybody else, at some point it was going to catch up oh, yeah. that the Internet was just going to right. blow everything up, and fewer papers are sold. You're not selling advertising. and. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the money that it was just always there, it just started to dry up, and then the owners who bought it for Knight Ritter paid too much money yep. because it seemed like at the time this was a great play, <laughs> yeah, right. and then 2008 happened, and mm -hmm. it was just like one thing after yeah. another. Yeah. But yeah, there's still some, look. I still have a lot of friends that work down there, mm -hmm. and I root for them. But it's just so it's just it's such tough. a. But this is how it happens. I feel like it's good to like hear. From someone like you that was there when this whole massive sea of change occurred because i feel like a lot of people are just it's really easy just to say the internet oh yeah the internet yeah. just just killed everyone right. it it wasn't no it wasn't just the internet it was uh you know these massive corporations that bought and kind of turned these papers into kind of just more commodities that are being moved and sold yeah, and bought off yeah. and cut down and right. trimmed and, and you can still make money constantly shaking money on right it's just yeah and we didn't much. we didn't have those owners thankfully yeah. in any mm -hmm. of the and there were a number of owners through the times maybe for a very brief period of time they're the people i think that end up selling the building at 400 north broad I don't even mm -hmm. remember the name Those of it. But they, but they were yeah. <laughs> yeah. moving, yeah, moving to a smaller Detroit, operation yeah. down on Market Street. Um, but yeah, it's, when you hear some of the stories, like in Denver and some mm -hmm. of the other oh, places, God. what's New happened Orleans, with yeah. some, it's just awful. And and again, I had friends that worked at a lot of these places, and you just, you just feel terrible yeah. for them. We fortunately, it, was it perfect? Hardly. I, people I knew, people I met, a raise in a decade. But in contrast to some of the other places, we were kind of the last mm -hmm. places yeah. affected. So let's uh, let's get into you on the beat. Right. Uh, being a uh, college basketball writer in a very different time, mm -hmm. what's the angriest a coach? I don't know if I think I've ever asked you this. Yeah. What's the angriest a coach ever got at you? Well, there's a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's a couple. Fran Dunphy, who doesn't usually get angry, mm -hmm. um, when he was at Penn, was up for the California job. He was. I never knew that. Yeah, so he was. And I found out about it, so I called him. Uh -huh. And it turned out I called him right after he didn't get the job. And I said, mm -hmm. and he said, well, I really don't want to get into it. Uh, I said, well, look, I'll write the story. I'll do it in. In a nice way, and I'll just say, "Hey, you were 
up for the job and it just didn't work out. But hey, like this is pretty cool. You're a pen guy and Cal wanted you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe wanted you. I, yeah. I, I, maybe Ben Braun got the job. I'm not sure how it played out. So Speaking I read, of Ipsy. Yes. So there yeah. you go. Good point. So I read, we're right near Eastern Michigan <laughs> yeah, University. Right. Yeah, there's people unaware. So I write the story, and the, for the first and last time since I was at the paper, because I knew Dump was very sensitive about this. He didn't want it to look like he got didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call when I sent the story, and I called one of our uh, copy copy editors, and I said, "Hey, look, be nice in the headline. Big mistake <laughs> by me. Big mistake." Because <laughs> they're like, "Well, yeah. so." So I, I wrote this. I, I don't remember exactly how I wrote it, other than nobody was going to be offended by, by what I wrote. Because, I mean, it's a guy I dealt with. It sure. wasn't a, we've all had to do stories where people are going to get angry, and that's just the way it yeah. is. we got to deal with it. <laughs> Headline, Cal considers, comma, Nix's Dunphy. <laughs> <laughs> Nine o'clock the next morning, my phone is yeah. ringing. He didn't talk. And this is a guy who I was still very friendly with. Didn't mm-hmm. talk to him before like a year. It's just like he was so angry, and I said, and I tried to explain, as we all have, that we don't write the headlines, but of course nobody believes that or understands. So that was my first and last time trying to get involved in the headline writing business. (laughs) It's like my guy said, "My man, we're doing what we want to do. We'll we'll decide. You just send the stories in. We'll take. We'll take care. We'll take care of the rest." I, I mean, John Chaney's stories are endless. I don't know. John, every once in a while, would call just to yell, just, to, sure, you know, yeah, just for yeah. no particular reason. I would call him. I did this thing. We didn't have a Sunday paper, so mm-hmm. I would do a thing every Monday about what happened over the weekend yeah. with the this, teams. I mean, notebook. Yeah. This side of Jerry Tipton, it was yeah, the yeah, most... Yeah. <laughs> It was a while. Absurdly yeah. long yeah. notebook. Yeah, they would give me a whole page. They would give me a whole page. Just whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever <laughs> came to mind. So I, the Temple was playing somebody. I, I, don't, I don't know who they were playing. I don't know what happened. So I called him, and he answers the phone, and he just starts talking for like ten minutes and yelling about every 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 other words an f bomb. Mm-hmm. And finally, he says, "What do you want, anyway?" <laughs> I said, "You know what, Coach? I'm good. I'm man. probably fine. I'm, yeah. I'm good. I, <laughs> you, you took care of me. Yeah. I'm fine." But yeah, Chaney's, Chaney's stories are endless. He would get he'd get angry, but you didn't really know why he would get angry. Uh, I, I don't remember this well. The year after St. Joe's had their great undefeated yeah. regular season team in 03-04, they're still really good, but people are thinking, well, hey, there's no Jameer Nelson, there's no Delonte West. They're yeah. going to take a step back. They did, but they were still good they enough did, yeah. to beat you. Uh, they ended up playing in the NIT championship mm-hmm. game that year. Um so they beat Temple not once but twice, and Cheney is not happy because they've been now beating him for a yeah. while after Cheney had beaten them a hundred yeah, straight right. times. So he, in the game at Temple, as they're losing, he decides to send a kid out on the court named Nehemiah Ingram to see how many fouls he can get in the shortest amount of time. <laughs> True so, story. So True he story. fouls out in like what two minutes? Barely. Yeah, I mean, he's just and, and the referees. Jim Burr was one of the refs. It was obvious what was going on. They should have just talked. He's just him. hammering. Yeah. He was just hammering people. <laughs> well, the last one he hammers is John Bryan, who's a starter on the team, and he breaks his arm. Oh jeez! I think I remember hearing about so yeah. John. It got really bad, really bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was ugly. So John, in the post game, comes <clears throat> yeah, in. This. And goes, well, I sent in the goons. Yeah. I mean, like everybody else would have denied that it happened. Yeah. Not only does he not deny it, he's reveling in it. He says they were sending illegal screens. They weren't, but that was he was just angry that yeah. he was getting beat. 
So I, I, a couple of days later, I, I called John after I found out that John Bryant's arm was broken. I said, I said, John, we're, we can't defend you. It's like <laughs> yeah, I'd already, right. I'd already turned this guy's arm's broken. I'd already turned it goon in the paper. <laughs> That's, wait, did you? That was me. <laughs> Amazing. I did not. So know. you're not. So there's no defending this yeah. at all. And, I, and John's one of my all-time favorite people yeah. to deal with because he wouldn't last five minutes in today's game because he's totally politically <laughs> incorrect about yeah, everything. Right, right. So I, I said, John, do me a favor. Shut the f up! Yeah. Just, just shut up! Stop talking. You're, you're, nothing good can happen oh, to you. And God. I explained that John's arm was broken, and I knew John. I mean, John was—I I yeah. love John Bryan. He was a great kid, and he ruined the back end of his of senior year of college. Sure did. And they probably would have made the NCAs that year. Sure. They lost the Atlantic yes. Ten title to GW in uh, in Cincinnati, and again, mm-hmm. if he yeah. plays, a they huge probably deal would. to not for yeah. NIT. Yeah, NCAA yeah. Play so they, yeah. they probably would. He's now won. a D League head coach, right? He's the on a Sixers bench. He's sitting right next Is to Brett Brown. Yeah, he's sitting like two, spots, with the Sixers, two yeah. spots from Brett Brown. And Dwayne Jones, who was on that St. Joe's right. team, is That's also right. an assistant. So uh, John is, it's, John and Martelli, who you know, were, I would say they were friendly, they didn't speak. It was like Phil was like <clears throat> outraged, the St. Oh, Joe's yeah. coach. He was just like, you know, this is like, he broke my guy's arm. <laughs> right. I get yeah. it. I mean, I understand. <laughs> and, of course, the Nehemiah Ingram is just in the middle of it, the Temple guy. So not that people were necessarily mad at me, but – Six months later, Mike Kern and I, well, I set it up and then Mike came along, set up a peace treaty between Cheney and Temple and, and Martell. Yeah. So I'm Switzerland, and we meet at Colleen's on the Parkway, which oh was God. Cheney's spot. And and we have this huge headline the next day, you know, peace in our time, oh. Cheney and Martelli. I mean, was, only in Philly could that yeah. possibly I was just gonna say happen. Like, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, because I knew them yeah. both, and they, and they kind of they trusted me. And the, the thing was, it was hilarious because Cheney ends up saying all these, even for him, insane things about, like, why this actually happened. God. And, like, Martelli, Kern, and I are looking at each other like, what in the world is he talking about? But by the end, they walked out and they were kind of friends yeah. again. But, yeah, that was uh, – I mean, Cheney's stories, they're, they're just – they never end uh, because he just did so many wild things. Yeah. And, I mean, and he didn't care. Mm-hmm. Again, a guy like that probably wouldn't last 15 minutes in no. today's game because everything you time you say something, somebody's going somebody's going to be outraged because yeah. that's what we do in life. But Philly has that like whole you know like when I used to live down south, you covered these high schools. There's like six high schools in a town. Everybody knows each other. Everybody grows mm-hmm. up with yes. each other. All yes. these kids. Yep. It's the same way with the colleges, I assume, right? Where Absolutely. it's like all Big these time. kids are in college, and it's like absolutely, you know. So it's that right, and that's why it's that right. Way. And the fun part of the rivalry is like rivalries. Every, I would imagine. Every, yeah, Everywhere. is everyone yeah. still is friends with somebody who went to every other right. school and things like that? And really unique. You know, I'm a my my father's name is on the track at St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. I went to St. Joe's. Meanwhile, the guy who my middle name is after, mm-hmm. my middle name's Flaherty. I'm named after James A. Flaherty, who's on my father's side. He was the former president of Villanova, who is, right, like like yeah. every layer. I have cousins who went to every other school and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So my niece goes to Temple right now, right? Like, and it's just the way it is. It's fun and it's, it, I feel like it was, I don't know if this makes you sound old, but it was probably simpler then. It's, I don't think I don't, there's any doubt it was simpler yeah. because it wasn't TV, there wasn't the right. money. Yeah. There wasn't the pressure to win. It was like you could actually be friends you with could, the people yeah, you right. played against. So I, I miss that era of the Big Five, the 50s, 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. where 
all the games were at the Palestra. I mean, I, I would have loved to have been around mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. It was much more factional by the time I got there. Everybody was in their own league. There weren't leagues back then. Philadelphia wasn't in a league. Right, they were independent. They were independent. Yeah. Now, Temple and St. Joe's and yeah. LaSalle were in a thing called the Middle Mid Atlantic Conference. Something. MAC with like Lehigh and Lafayette and those kind of teams. So it was very different. Oh, yeah, okay. uh, by the time you got when ESPN started to take over and right. Big East was formed and all these yeah. leagues. and. And it became less about the city and more mm-hmm. about whatever league you're in. Let's see, well, I was thinking of another coach yelling at me mm-hmm. thing. You'll, you'll appreciate this. John Griffin, who was the coach prior to Phil Martelli at St. Joe's, he got he just got tired of trying to push the boulder up the hill at St. Joe's. Sure. And went back to the private equity life or whatever it was that he'd done before. He left the profession. He a Siena coach, then he went to do that, and then he mm-hmm. came back and became the St. Joe's coach. Was in, I don't know what firm he worked for. But they had, so they held a press conference, and John's saying he's resigning. And I heard for like six weeks beforehand he was getting out. And of course, I would call him, and he would deny <laughs> that he was getting yeah. out. And we've all been there. Right. So the uh, next day, he's saying, well, I got out. Just I want to do this more. I don't really want to coach basketball. Well, I called a few people, including Speedy. This can now come out because uh, it's 100 years later. Who cares? <laughs> it was his high school coach at Roman Catholic. And I said, look, Speedy, I, I, I don't know that this is actually accurate. Can, can you help me out here? Yeah. He, says, he says, yeah, he doesn't think he can win. He's just tired of it. He just wants to get out. So I don't use his name, but I, I write the story. And it's 100% accurate. Uh, yeah. And I get a call from Griff the next morning screaming at me. I go, yo, you're not the coach. What do you care? <laughs> and you're gone. He says, well, what if I want to get back into it? I said, you can't keep doing that. Right. And... So, and Speedy got mad at me. I said, I said, Speedy, you said, I said, can I use this? He said, yeah, just, you didn't hear it from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, that ain't, that ain't like not using it. There's <laughs> yeah, a big difference. Right. And, and I said, he said, well, you know, John's mad. I said, let, let me ask you a question. Am I wrong? He says, no. I said, have a nice, have a nice life. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. right. Have a nice life. And of course, yeah. when Griffin left, that began uh-huh. Phil Martelli, right? Yeah, who I covered right. his whole career yeah. at, at St. Joe's, and Speedy and Phil Martelli would have been the guys I covered <clears throat> the longest. I covered right. much of Speedy's career at LaSalle, and yeah, he had some great teams, as as obviously did mm-hmm. Phil. And by the end, we had fewer people covering college basketball, right. so I was basically covering all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I could be at a Drexel yeah. game one night. I could be at a Temple game. It just depended on what was happening, and because uh, we again back there was actually a time where we had a person for every team. Wow, think about <laughs> sixty-one that. schools in thirteen months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there was somebody who yeah. was a beat writer for yeah. all the teams, and I would also, in addition to that, write the national stuff and yeah. the columns and all that. But yeah, how about that? Unreal. But yeah, those days, those, those days, are, little, those are little by little, yeah. those days just drifted away. And now John Griffin's son. Is He's a an assistant coach current at assistant Joe's. coach at St. Joe's. Yep. Former classman of mine at the prep. Who knows? Um, <laughs> let's. What time are we on? Uh, we're 32 minutes in here. 32 minutes. So yeah. we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I, we're going to get some memories from you on. So you went to 25 straight Final Fours. I yeah. did. So that means you were there for Tom Izzo winning a championship. I was. You were there for Chris Weber's timeout. I was not. I missed. You that. Weren't. I missed that one. Yeah. That, what I, happened? I was there in 92, but not in 93. We can make it up. You were there for the first one. (laughs) I was. Yeah, I was there when Duke beat him, 71-51. I don't remember many scores. That's actually a score I think I remember. Did you see the Fab Five? 
And not only did I see the Fab Five, I covered them at Rupp Arena when they made the Fab Five. I was just going to say. I was in Lexington. Now we're talking. That one, did you see the Leitner uh, shot? I, w- I was in Lexington. I was in Philly. Okay. I was at that game. You were at that game. I was in yeah. Philly on Thursday for the <laughs> Sweet 16. Okay. Yeah. Then I went, because again, we did not have a Sunday paper. Okay. I then went to Lexington for the Friday-Sunday oh, games. So I was not, I watched the Leitner game in, in Lexington, Kentucky. That's well, that's we incredible. can break into that, that's too, because that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's so there we go. <laughs> All right, so that'll come back on the subscriber yeah. side of the show if you are uh, just way behind the times and not subscribing to The Athletic. You will not be able to enjoy this portion of the show, so uh, get on it. Get, yeah, get involved. <laughs> All right, we're right back after this. I seen hard times all my day. 